Hi, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell, and we're the hosts of Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we discuss, appreciate, and delve too deep into the Lord of the Rings Extended Editions, one minute at a time. You know there's a Balrog down there, right? It'll be fine. (laughs) Have you ever wondered about Hobbit economy or how wizards get their mail? Are you also in awe of Hugo Weaving's eyebrows? Then join us every Monday through Friday on our mission, quest, thing, only on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we're talking about, well, I guess everyone, from the film Hocus Pocus. We couldn't really narrow it down to a protagonist to talk about for this film. Very much an ensemble piece. This is Uh, an interesting film. (laughs) This is a request from producer Andrew, and I'm assuming you're going to jump in some on this discussion, right, Andrew? I did not recall that this was my request. I at some point I said, "What's a good Halloween movie?" And you said, "You got to do Hocus Pocus." Oh well, yeah. That that I, that's a request on behalf of the universe. <laughs> you were just voicing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I was merely voice. a mouthpiece for that one. <laughs> oh, Trust <man>. me. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, Hocus Pocus is one of I mean, really just kind of I'd say a, a select handful where it just exudes the ambiance of Halloween season. Like that's that's its whole thing. It's 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 its goal is to make you feel Halloween. Uh, yes, but, I agree with that. But without the uh, you know the slasher horror version of yeah, Halloween it's, it's that not, also it's not Hollywood produces a horror film or a scary movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Halloween has a certain tone, and it's it's the getting outside in the fall and frolic, 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 and, and frolic, the frolic, like frolic. the leaves blowing down the street and <laughs> and just kind of enjoying that without being scared of it necessarily mm-hmm. that's what this is and it, yeah. it's it's the the disney channel halloween yes. feel a little bit more information uh hocus pocus was a 1993 film and it stars bet midler kathy najibi does anyone know the pronunciation of that one i, I i'm sorry kathy if you're listening uh <laughs> there she is and sarah jessica like, parker what? somebody's talking about hocus pocus <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's are, a lot of people talking about Hocus Pocus right now. It's the season. So the, uh, they are a trio of Salem-era witches who are resurrected on Halloween, and a couple teenagers and one young girl and a talking cat must stop them. Oh, I thought you were counting him amongst the teenagers. Uh, no. Uh, and that trio are played by Amrai Katz, Thora Birch, and Vanessa Shaw. Though, I guess Thora Birch is the young girl, so I should reverse that. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Uh, how did we come to this? Todd, do you have any memory of seeing Hocus Pocus ever in your life before probably today, I'm guessing? No, I have seen the cover of Hocus Pocus <laughs> many, 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 many times. Uh, and I don't know how I made it to 35 years of age without having watched Hocus Pocus, but uh, somehow I did. And now I've seen it and I've seen it. I mean, you're, and, and it's uh, adding to the, the strangeness is you were really the target demographic when it came out in in uh, 93. Yes. Yeah, certainly. Um, I yeah, I really don't know why I have not seen this film. Um, and I would just add my own voice to the universes and saying this is like the perfect quintessential Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember seeing it as a kid, but I do not have the strong attachment that I see voiced on social media every October amongst some of my peers in my age group <laughs> where it seems like for some people like this was like one of the movies that they could quote because they watch it so much in the age of fewer options for our viewing pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now like I don't know that my children are ever going to have that kind of film that we had growing up because we had, you know, 10 VHS copies of movies. Right. And, and so when we were given screen time, it was, you know, well, which of the three things do you want to watch? Karate Kid or Sleeping Beauty? Star Wars? <laughs> or, or Star Wars. Uh, you know, now there's just so many options that they never really, my, my kids don't have to repeat view um, the way we did. But it seems like for a lot of people, when I look at social media every October, Hocus Pocus was one of those repeat viewed films of their youth. I feel like it's the kind of film that you could know backwards and forwards, but I, it also doesn't seem to me to be 
a supremely quotable movie. And maybe I'm just uh, missing on something. But uh, anyway, I have some thoughts about the the writing of this film, which seems uh, different to me. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll save that for the discussion. Yes. I I would say the reason that it has such cultural cachet is uh, when when the Disney Channel became mm-hmm. a basic cable channel. Every October, you could count on probably at least seeing this and probably watching it, you know, between 10 and 15 times <laughs> because because <laughs> it's just on the, on the October uh, cycle. You know, yeah. there's, there's not that many Disney Channel level October films, you know, because like we said, there's a lot of horror or slasher or suspense, suspense films. It's like Disney Channel's not going to yeah. put that on. So when you're eight to 10 years old and Disney Channel's kind of your your home button on the TV. Like, you know, you know what channel to dial for that. Sure. Uh, you know, in October, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get this and Halloween town. And unfortunately, probably not nightmare before Christmas. Cause that was on ABC family. <laughs> um, for me, it was, uh, and, uh Ernest scared yeah. stupid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another one. I think I saw that like twice when I was a kid, but Miak, the joke about Miak has never left me and his delivery of Miak. <laughs> oh man, can we just slate Ernest Scared Stupid for Halloween next year? <laughs> you really want to spend an entire episode? Well, okay. I would like to take an entire episode talking about know, Ernest. I don't know if you guys do because last Christmas I saw that Ernest Saves Christmas was on Netflix and I watched it and I did not enjoy it as much as I used to. <laughs> Uh, to me, it was Ernest goes to camp and Ernest scared <laughs> stupid. Those were the two. Uh, those are the two uh, leaders in the in the pantheon of, of, of Ernest, Ernest films. films. Maybe we yes. should take an episode and rank rank all the Ernest <laughs> the, films. The Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so good, so good. You got well, some trivia uh, for us? Yeah, a little trivia. The film it had mixed to bad reviews when it came out. Uh, it, I think <laughs> it's to bad. <laughs> yeah, thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes is where it landed. Wow. Uh, but as Andrew said, it has since become a cult classic, and people identify the cable reruns in October for being the main yeah. reason. I'm, I'm, it, I'm sure that is the only reason. I'm, I mean, you guys, I think, didn't engage with the Disney Channel TV movie system no pantheon collection i never had cable growing up ever well and i think by the time that became part of the basic cable package like i just aged out of the the disney channel movie whereas i was i was prime audience because i was 10 years old and yeah you know there was i think it might have been i don't know if it was 2000 or or early 2000s they released one made per tv movie a month for a year (laughs) Almost two years. They were it's like one per month, one per month. You can count on a Disney Channel original movie, and so like cable TV movies on Disney Channel is is a thing. Yeah, for me and and all of those Disney Channel original movies. Even though this isn't one of them, it it is part of that same conversation. Yeah, and I, I like similarly. I've seen like floating through like lists ranking every Disney Channel movie, which to me I'm like, well, I don't. I don't need to click that because I, I never engaged with it, but it but seems it, like it's it a hits popular. Me, it hits yeah. me pretty hard, at least until the last, you know, 15 years. Yeah. Um, I will just say that rumors of a sequel or a remake have floated around for a long time. Every Halloween forever. Uh, and it recently it was confirmed that a remake may be in the works, but then some people said, no, it's probably a sequel. And so, like, some, something Hocus Pocusy seems like it's in the works, but it also seems like that may have been rumored for a decade or so. That um, something is going to happen. Uh, and then I I just dropped this paragraph from Wikipedia in whole cloth because I had no idea that this existed. In September 2016, entertainment critic Aaron Wallace published Hocus Pocus in Focus, the thinking fan's guide to Disney's <laughs> Halloween classic. Great name. That's <laughs> an amazing. First... <laughs> this is going to surprise you guys. It is the first full-length book written about the movie. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What a shocker. Uh, the book includes... Uh, it says it had a forward by Thor Birch and an afterward by Nick Garris, and it was billed as, quote, a lighthearted but scholarly look at the film. And the book analyzes the movie's major themes, which it identifies as festivity, nostalgia, home, horror, virginity, feminism, Broadway-style musical moments, which I don't know that that's a theme so much as a moment. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> singular theme. <laughs> and, Limited theme. Uh, sibling rivalry, Spielbergian filmmaking style, Disney villain traditions, and more. Wow. Uh, Okay, I should know on the Disney villain traditions, they are adopted well into the Disneyland and Disney World 
Halloween cycles. May, may I read the next sentence of this yes, Wikipedia please. paragraph? Uh, Wallace also analyzes Walt Disney World's Hocus Pocus villain Spelltacular mm-hmm. as part of the movie's legacy and includes, quote, the largest collection of Hocus Pocus fun facts and trivia ever assembled. So everything that Joseph's about wow. to say pales in comparison to yeah. the fun facts you could Well, find. if I had known this book existed, I would try to get my hands out. I found out about this book last night when I was typing up <laughs> trivia about Hocus Pocus as I watched it with my eight-year-old daughter. daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a big part of the Halloween event at, mm-hmm. at the Disney parks. Uh, the, the Sanderson sisters, who are the, the primary witches of the film, are like the instigators of the Halloween show. And and the, the the other villains of the park arrive in response to them. It seems like in this era of shared universes, if they're trying to make a sequel, Disney may have something <laughs> on their hands already <laughs> that could be. I mean, <laughs> transition to do film. They've got the Descendant stuff on Disney Channel now, yeah. so they're they're oh, mixing these things. Speaking of Disney Channel movies, my eight year old daughter is all in on the Descendants and the Descendants Two. Oh, have you watched Descendants Two? I've not watched Descendants 2. She has, more than once. I've okay. heard that Descendants 1 was better than Descendants Yes, two. I think she watched Descendants a couple times with, like, when friends were over. That would be something like, hey, can we watch Descendants? And, you know, I turned that on. And Descendants 2 came out, and she was really big in anticipation of it. And she watched it once, and I think she's only watched it one other time when friends were over. My girls have watched um, Descendants 2 uncountable times. And we have, <laughs> we have never seen Descendants 1. But um, every time my girls watch Descendants 2, I'm like... I cannot stop thinking about the stuff in, that's in that film, uh, for better or worse. I mean, it's not like <laughs> that was so vague, Todd. So so vague <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe someday, you know, some patron will <laughs> request it. We'll, we'll go down that road. I, I would love for not you not putting guys it on the short list. <laughs> I would love for you to hit any of a number of Disney Channel original movies. <laughs> High School Musical. <laughs> That was not the one that was at the top of my list. My girls would love that. All right. Well, listeners, we would like to thank each and every one of you for listening, and we would especially like to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Uh, and there you can support our show with a, a pledge of any dollar amount from $1 on up. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers, and all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now we're going to go on to Todd providing us with a full spoiler synopsis of Hocus Pocus. If this is something you've never seen and you want to watch it beforehand, it is not available on any stream- streaming service, but it turns out it's pretty popular because I went to my local library and I pulled it up on the card catalog or on, on their online electronic catalog and it said they had seven copies. I was like, oh, sweet. There were no, none left. Yeah. And then on the shelf, I went over to the shelf and there weren't any there. And then on the way out, they had their Halloween display of movies and there was one <laughs> copy one of, of Hocus seven. Pocus in the, in the middle of this display, display of Halloween films. Yes, and <laughs> I lifted it out. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. N- nicely done. <laughs> yes. Okay, I have one, uh, one thing to say about this. Um, I watched the film, and I took all of my notes to write my summary, and I was going to write the summary today, and then I had one of the longest days I've ever had in my life. <laughs> And did not have time to, um, we'll say, polish <laughs> my notes. So if if this feels a little disjointed, it's because it is. And it's a first draft. <laughs> it's a first draft. But uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Here we go. Can can I say one thing before you it. start? Yeah. In in my like cable TV viewing of this, it's the kind of movie that I feel like. I either fell asleep during or it was just a little too long for my bedtime. <laughs> I remember watching the beginning up to maybe two thirds of this film a lot. And I remember the ending very little. <laughs> so, so I am looking forward to remembering exactly how this story goes. The first two times they vanquish the, the, the witches, you're like, oh, I remember that. And then you're like, wait, there's another? <laughs> yeah. The, like, the opening, I remember wonderfully. The end, not as much. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because that is the exact experience that I had watching this the first time. I It was late at night and I thought, oh my goodness, I have got to watch this film because we're going to talk about it. And so I said, Betty, I've got to watch this movie. And she said, well, you know, let's put it in. So we put it in and I'm watching and taking notes. And then all of a sudden, 
it was over. And <laughs> I thought, wow. And Betty said, what happened? Because she fell asleep, you know, 30 seconds in, as she does. And she said, what happened in the movie? And I said, I don't really know. I don't really know what happened. They were, you know, they're there and then stuff happened and then it sort of ended. So then the next day at work, I had to put it back in. And I was like, oh my gosh, I slept through like an hour and a half of this movie. I mean, I saw <laughs> Initially, I had seen practically none of the film. Uh, and when you watch the whole thing, you know, then uh, it definitely fills in some gaps. So here we go. It's uh, the year 1693. We're in Salem, Massachusetts, and there is a witch flying on a broom in the in the sky. And then we see a guy. His name is Thackeray Binks, and he wakes up uh, from bed, and he starts looking for his sister Emily, who is not in the room with him. Uh, it turns out that the witches had come for her. So he s- sneaks over to the witch's house, and they have made a potion. And he tries to stop them from, uh, they're trying to feed the potion to the sister, Emily. And he tries to stop them, and then this witch just goes full-on Emperor Palpatine on him and uses Force Lightning (laughs) to knock him out. And then they suck the life out of the little girl, and then they all get younger. So initially, these witches, they all look like old hags. And then they suck the life out of her, sort of like, uh, like Dementors from Harry Potter. And then, uh, and then she gets younger. They, they all get younger. Not incredibly young, but younger. And, uh, and then they turn the brother. So Thackeray Binks gets turned into a black cat. And then the townspeople come. They capture the witches and they hang them. And then we flash forward to modern times. So 300 years later now, it's 1993. This amazing teacher shares the story of, is, is finishing telling the story of the, of these witches to uh, to her students. And when I say amazing teacher, I just mean she's dressed up like a witch and she's told this story in like the most dramatic fashion possible. Um, I have questions about how she knows the elements of the story. If we're supposed to accept the prologue as fact and her having just explained this entire prologue, <laughs> but we can table that till the actual discussion. <laughs> okay. So there's a new kid in school. His name is Max Dennison and he's from California and he doesn't believe in Halloween really. Uh, But there's a cute girl in his class. Her name is Allison, and she does. And then we get a sweet mountain biking montage as Max rides uh, rides through town. And then he gets to this cemetery where he meets a couple of deadbeats. And one is named Ice, and the other one, his name is... Do you guys remember the other guy's name? I just remember Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers. That's who I thought of. (laughs) (laughs) There's something very early 90s kids media about these kind of bullies. Oh my gosh, they are so funny. Uh, Ice just kills me. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) there are these two bullies and they kind of rough him up. They take his shoes and then Max ends up backing down. Okay, so Max is super angsty and he doesn't want to take his sister trick-or-treating, but he does end up taking her because he actually really loves her. And then they get uh, accosted by these same thugs and Max 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 backs down. Wow. Max backs down. And then his sister is ashamed of him. Uh, and they get in a big argument. And Max hates this place. And he's just he's just full of teenage angst, the poor kid. Uh, but then he makes up with his sister. And in the end, uh, they go trick-or-treating. And they end up at Allison's house. And it is totally decked out in this, like, period Halloween uh, costume party. And uh, she's in full costume. And and then the little sister, Danny, uh, mentions to Allison that she couldn't wear a dress like that because she doesn't have any yabos. And Max Max wants to die at this point. Um, <laughs> but he also wants to, you know, keep hanging out with Allison. And so uh, they, they hang out together and they decide to go to the Sanderson house. So the Sanderson witches are the three sisters that are witches that we saw their story initially. The Sanderson house used to be a museum. Uh, but some scary stuff had happened there, and so now it's it's an abandoned museum uh, full of cobwebs and, and such. And there's a cat, uh, a black cat, watching them through the window. And then Max finds a candle inside of this house. Uh, it's called a black, the candle of the black flame, black flame candle. And it, there's, a, there's, like, instructions basically written that say, if a virgin lights this candle on Halloween night, then the witches will come back. And Max says, well, you know. I wonder if that's really true. And so he lights candle, and sure enough, 
the, the witches come back. Um, All right, I'm, okay. I, one, one more question. Well, just in the midst of this, um, the townspeople, they just left the, uh, I know. the witch's house there. They didn't get rid of the candle that had just been prophesied to bring. I know. And they, t- they turned it all into a museum. <laughs> like I, I, the logic of these early townspeople who were terrified of witches, I have some questions. Yes. Uh, as, as do we all. And I, I don't think I, it'll ever be resolved. Maybe I should just leave it here at this point and we won't raise it again. That's probably fine. <laughs> uh, so he, he, the, the spirits come back. And uh, Max and Allison hide. And Danny gets caught by the witches. Um, but she actually, in one of my favorite things about this film, she just pretends that she's okay. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad that you're here. And I think Danny's just awesome. <laughs> but especially she's awesome in this scene. Um, and then they decide that they're going to eat her. And so then Danny starts freaking out. Max uh, comes to try to rescue his sister. But then but then Winifred, the, 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 the head witch, she goes Emperor Palpatine on him again and force lightnings him. And uh, then there's a big fight. They escape. And Max steals the spell book. And now the cat has run off with them. And he starts talking to them. This is Thackeray Binks from the beginning of the, of the film. He's 300 years later, he's still alive because the curse is that he can never die, uh, but that he has to remain a cat. So, so Binks leads them to a graveyard, which is uh, protected from the witches because it's hallowed ground. So they can't stand inside of the, of the cemetery. So now Winifred tells her sisters, her sisters are named uh, Sarah and Mary. Isn't that the name of the actresses? I think it is. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yep, yeah. it is Sarah and Mary. <laughs> I just barely realized that. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, Mary. Oh, oh no, it's not. It's Kathy. 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 Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so only Sarah. So Winifred tells her sisters, Sarah and Mary, that they are only going to be alive for one day uh, because, or one night because when the sun comes up the day after Halloween, they will be turned uh, into dust. And so they need to now uh, find the spell book because they can't remember the spell to make the, the magic potion. Uh, so they need to get the spell book, brew their potion, and then suck the lives from all of the children uh, before sunrise. And uh, now back in the cemetery, Max tries to burn the book, but it's protected. Uh, it's enchanted, so they can't burn it. And then the sisters turn up, turn up on their broomsticks so they can fly around above the cemetery, but they can't actually land in the cemetery. So the, the kids um, run away. And then Winifred casts a spell that brings a dead guy back. His name was William Butcherson, Billy Butcherson. Um, and he had been the boyfriend of uh, Sarah, the, the sister Sarah. Um, and, then, and then Winifred had killed him and sewed up his mouth. Uh, and, and now she's bringing him back as a zombie so that he can chase the kids. And Max knocks his head off, uh, literally, with a stick. <laughs> But it doesn't, uh, it doesn't stop Billy for long. Now, if you're concerned about watching this with your kids, you have to understand that um, if, your ch- if your children are afraid of zombies, then, um, you know. But this is, this is as PG-rated a zombie as you can imagine. <laughs> it's like the least, yeah. <laughs> the least scary zombie ever. Um, and him getting his head knocked off is like the least violent decapitation uh, the least graphic de- decapitation I've ever seen. Um, well, so I think we should talk about uh, the way they make the tone of this film work. Because there's some pretty weird stuff yes. that goes on like, from that opening scene to this. But the there's a lot of things they do to make it still a kid-friendly movie. But we'll, we'll save that for the discussion, too. Yes, yes. Okay. But, uh, okay. So the kids escape into some catacombs uh, where the, uh, the zombie Billy continues to chase them. And then the witches get on a bu- a bus with a bus a, a really kind of funny bus bus driver who is really attracted to these um, <laughs> strange looking witches. He sh- uh, he should lose his job. <laughs> really... I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> so the kids are coming out of the sewers, and the bus the witches are on the bus uh, driving, and Binks the cat is the first one to get to get out uh, onto the street, and he just immediately gets run over by the bus. Um, not unlike Regina Brown, uh, Regina in, in Mean Girls. But, <laughs> um, so he gets totally pancaked and the kids are all sad because Binks has been run over. Uh, but then he just sort of re-inflates and, uh, comes back to life because he can't die. So meanwhile, the witches have been dropped off by the bus driver 
uh, amid all these trick-or-treaters. And they're so excited because they think they're surrounded by hobgoblins. And this guy comes out of his house in a devil costume. And the witchers are super happy to have found their master because, you know, they serve the devil. And so they think that it's Satan. And, uh, <laughs> and so they go into his house. The kids find a cop and they try to tell him about what's happened. Uh, but he doesn't believe them, and uh, and he kind of makes fun of them and sends them on their way. And then it turns out he wasn't even a real cop. <laughs> he was just a guy <laughs> in a costume. Uh, so now back at the devil's house, um, Sarah starts dancing with this guy, and his wife gets super mad and sicks the dog on him. Uh, the witches try to fly away, or they want to fly away, but some kids have stolen their brooms. And then and then <laughs> the horrified Winifred realizes that All, Hall- All Hallows' Eve has become a night. A frolic and she is disgusted by this so the kids uh now they've escaped from the witches and they go to this adult halloween party to find their friends or to find the parents um and then max tries to tell everyone that the witches are there but and and the witches actually show up but everyone thinks it's a prank and so and then winifred just grabs the microphone and starts singing the song about how she's going to put a spell on all of the adults and she does Look. It's, if you have Bette Midler in your film and you do not put in a show-stopping musical number, you're doing <laughs> things wrong. You really are. <laughs> it is, I mean, it's the only reason to have a musical number there is because Bette Midler is there. But other than <laughs> that, I mean, it's it's Well, it it's also establishes good. why there's no parental supervision for any child in the entire town <laughs> that night okay. <laughs> with everything else that goes on. I mean, but they could have put she puts a, a spell on them, so they keep dancing. Right. But yeah, it doesn't have to be a musical number. It doesn't have to, to be a whole uh, show-stopping Broadway musical number, ex- except, you know, Bette Midler. So, um, so she sings a song that puts a spell on all of the adults so that they will just keep dancing and dancing and dancing. Uh, the kids, the zombie shows up, the kids run away. Um, the kids lure the witches to, oh, so Allison gets this idea about how they can stop the witches. So they, they lure them to the high school, into the, the, the arts and crafts classroom where there's a giant pottery kiln. Uh, and then they, the, they trick the witches into going in there and then they close it and they just incinerate them and the witches go up in smoke, but then they come back and they capture, oh, Chris, uh, it's ice and, uh, and his friend. Jay, Jay, Jay. is the name of the ice friend. Ice and Jay. So, so they, they get captured by the witches. And the witches want to do the spell, but they can't remember the spell to, to make the magic potion to, to suck the life out of these kids. So then Allison and Max uh, are back at, at Max's house. And they're doing some, uh, you know, some serious uh, teenage snuggling. And then they decide, <clears throat> they decide to try to use the book to turn Binks back into a human because they, they're not worried about the witches anymore. The witches are dead. Binks has told them don't use the book, but they feel like it's okay if we try to use this, uh, this, this book just to bring Binks back. So then they open it's, the book. Go ahead. If you listen to our last episode, this is a little uh, Mr. Norrell there. <laughs> like There's this one kind of magic we shouldn't do, but maybe just once it'll be fine. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure nothing <laughs> bad will happen. Um, so, so when they open the book, basically it sends out like a giant bat signal to the witches. Uh, who then fly to the house and they grab the book and they capture Danny. And then uh, Sarah, uh, who is one of the sisters, she flies, she flies up on her broom and she sings this creepy song that makes all of the kids in town come to the witch's house, like a, like a, like a Pied Piper or something. And then Max and Allison drive to the witch's house and they trick the witches into thinking that it's morning by putting a purple filter over the headlights of the car. I don't know how that works exactly but somehow the witches are convinced that it's morning so then they they grab danny they knock over the potion which the witches have have brewed but the but the witches are able to save just enough for one like one little vial enough for one child uh to drink and then the kids are they're driving in in a truck to try to get away and winifred tracks them down on her broom Uh, but then they run away to they they make it to the cemetery uh, but inside of the cemetery, they run into the zombie Billy. But then it turns out that he's nice because the witches were the ones that killed him and sewed up his mouth. And uh, so he he's able to um, he cuts he cuts the thread that are sewing his lips shut. And then it turns out that he's a nice guy. And uh, then we have a big fight, and uh, Winnie is able to capture Danny again. Uh, but Max gets his hands on the vial of the potion and he drinks it. So now Winifred has to take him instead of Danny because. Um, 
because he's he's taking the potion. And while they're fighting, the sun comes up and Winifred turns to stone, and Sarah and Mary turn to dust. And then I think Winifred turns to dust also. Uh, in the fighting, however, Binks, yeah, she gets devil killed. Yeah, Binks uh, falls from some great height and he dies. But wait, he comes back as a ghost, and his little sister Emily is there as well. And he thanks Max for lighting the candle uh, so that all of this could happen, so that he could be released from his thing and go off with his sister. And uh, the end. Well done, that's, Todd. <laughs> that's the story. Good, good summary. Uh, I think, like, when you lay out this story, and I mentioned this a little during it, there's a lot of creepiness. <laughs> like, particularly, like, the opening scene. Like, the witches yeah. succeed in killing a small child. Uh, and that's your opening scene of a, a Disney uh, kids oh. movie. And then they get hanged. Yes, and then they get hanged. Uh, but there's By the, an angry mob. The, the music and the acting and the directing are so key to making this not, like, the most horrifying thing a child has ever witnessed. Yes. Because, obviously, a child, millions of children have watched this and not been traumatized. But some really pretty small tweaks to the tone in which this is being presented, and that is one of the most pro- traumatizing scenes in the history of cinema. Yes. <laughs> I, w- I would imagine. I agree. <laughs> for, for, for a movie that's being targeted at children. Okay, so... Uh, I think the, the music is a huge part. Uh, just say, the soundtrack is a huge part of making all of this not as um, scarring <laughs> as, as it could be. <laughs> so, I, I have a little, a sh- just a short opening statement. I do not dislike this film in any way. In fact, I think it's totally charming and delightful. But it is... I feel like there's no script for this film. <laughs> like, like it just feels like the whole thing is ad-libbed and and sometimes that's like really funny and sometimes it's like oh i think we should have made a maybe made a couple more passes at the script here um but the right, these three witches the hold on, hold on, let me just explain real quick i found this in the trivia i didn't put it into the trivia i shared but the genesis of this movie is a studio exec seeing a black cat around Halloween uh, with his small kids one day and making up a story that the black cat had been cursed uh, from the Salem Witch, the days of the Salem Witch Trials. And then that, he's like, well, we could make a movie out of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean... And, and so, obviously, scriptwriters got called in and worked with it, but the genesis of this isn't someone saying, I have the greatest story to tell. Uh, you know... It is It is a studio executive. executive yeah. Making it- up a story for some of his young kids oh. about a black cat. I can give this to somebody and they'll make a movie out of it. Yes. And so I, I you think might, also... <laughs> might not be wrong. <laughs> I, I, I think the the witches, like the, the interaction between the three witches can be very funny at times. But also at other times, it's like nobody told them what to do. There's like there's no directing and there's no script. And then they, they kind of know who they are and they're all, they're all great actresses. And so they're just I feel like they're just winging it. Almost the whole film. <laughs> like, whatever performance they're providing, it's real good. Yeah. It's uh, I felt that when I was paying attention to the ones in the background, like, whenever one of them was at the front of the scene, I'd watch the other two in the background sometimes, and you could tell, like, there wasn't a strong directorial hand of saying, this is what I want from you. Right. They're just kind of <laughs> going around. Yeah. Particularly Sarah Jessica Parker, who, it's it's fun, and she is funny in her, like, she's the ditziest of them, yes. and just acts the craziest, and she does these weird dances in the background all the time, but I... Yeah, I, like I had a similar question to you. Like, was there any directing for her on the scene, or is it just you're in the background right now? <laughs> I think that their makeup is amazing, especially Bette Midler. Her her lipstick and her teeth. <laughs> the it teeth are so great. Kills me. Like it is so funny the way that she looks. And uh, anyway, I think that's one of like the the. For me, the strongest uh, point of the film is just the performance of those three ladies as witches. Um, and also, at sometimes it's kind of the most maddening part of the film is the performance of yeah. these three ladies as the witches. All right. If we're, if we're going to pick any nits real quick, I also got to say it's a little weird how prominent virginity is and how embarrassed like a teenager in high school is supposed to be about being a virgin. Like, that's just a little weird. <laughs> I agree. That is a, a prominent running gag in a Disney children's film. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I particularly when you're watching it with your eight-year-old daughter, you're gonna get some questions, and <laughs> you gotta pause the movie and have a little discussion. <laughs> it is not the only film that Disney ran on its channel that prompted such questions, really. And yeah, like it, like uh, like the term comes up and you don't know what it is. You, you like you ask what it is. <laughs> yeah, 
What's well, a? It's. I mean, right. it's kind of a weird thing in that I. I think. I think I can see where they're coming from, in that Max. I mean, I don't know what age would we say Max is. Well, he drives the truck, right? So somewhere fifteen, sixteen range. Doesn't he drive? Do, does Does he seem to be? Like, fully authorized to drive the truck? Or, or does it or seem a little the, transgressive? Mm, I, I think it seems a little transgressive. I, I, I think he's... Yeah. So maybe 14. Yeah, 14, no, maybe? older than 14. So 15? Okay. I'd say 15, 16. Yeah. Old enough Old enough that that he's heard of, you know... Yeah, teenagers are going to know about sexuality, and there would be awkwardness in discussing it like it's not a topic that's going to come up a ton uh in a comfortable setting for a teenager i mean i think but to make it the defense the defense of the joke would be to say it's uncomfortable for everyone it's not only it's not like everybody expects that from him it's just a weird uncomfortable thing that is kind of funny and that when you hear it as an adult you you sort of chuckle at it and like the sister makes it a joke and it's this like r- ongoing thing. But and, then you and, stop and, and with like sister, who is this designed for? And yes. then it just feels weird. And even like with the sister, you could say like, does she know what that means? And she's just saying it because she heard it was part of the spell. And now she's saying it loudly to everyone, and that's embarrassing to Max. And you can see where the comedy is supposed to be coming from. But like you said, like the once you start to figure out target audience and like it, it just something about it is off. Yes. Again, just have it repeated so frequently. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any other nits with this? I I mean, on a similar note, um, when I was a kid, I remember like feeling distinctly awkward because there was this there there was like the mentioning of quote unquote yabos. Yes. <laughs> and it's like I mean it's it's an awkward joke, and that's the point. Like it's a it's a commentary on awkwardness of talking about things. But I remember being a kid, I'm like, I feel a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, it, it just gets into, like, the, the tone of this film. Like, it, it just doesn't seem to quite fit what is obviously the target audience for this. Well, and then, of, of course, like, when you're a kid, the joke from the bus driver is, you, don't get that. you know, wildly inappropriate and, yeah. and way over your head. Yeah, yeah, you don't get that right. one. Like, that's, yeah. that's one that a lot of people who saw it when, when they were kids, like me, that that's memed around Facebook around October. And uh-huh. people are like... Do you remember this was in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Like, what in the world? Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I I I wonder if p- partly the executive and the the writers, if there were any on this film. Um, <laughs> there were screenwriters, I'm sure. I, I can get their names for I know, us. I know, I know. At the very least, credited. <laughs> but the, yeah. the writers, the people making this film, uh, I wonder if they just couldn't help themselves because sexuality is so tied up in Halloween. I mean, and I mean, I'm thinking of like Dracula and, and then just, I think modern Halloween. The modern, modern, like if you've been on a college as, campus at Halloween as, time, just, yes. uh, as discussed on Mean Girls. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Yes. It's totally on Mean Girls. Um, I, I think they probably just couldn't help themselves, uh, you know, being like, uh, caught up in this, in the spirit of the times. <laughs> but it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird in this kid's show to have those things that are sort of, not so explicit that you're that you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe my kid is watching this. But at the same time, it's like, wow, this is this is just totally weird. Um, what year did this come out? Ninety three. Okay, so like, I I don't know the context, you know, for for the cultural environment mm-hmm. at the time and what things would have been like in ninety three for a, a writer to be pitching this as something for eight year olds, right? You know, to see well. I- I, I, this is something I wanted to talk about, actually, about, like, this pitch and this kind of movie. This feels like a movie that's missing today. Like, like what we talked about with National Treasure, like, there need to be more family adventure films. Mm-hmm. Like, now it seems like for kids' movies, it's animation or it's not made, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it feels like this is... Which, which has happened before. That's been a, a trend in Hollywood before, where yeah. all kids' movies were animated cartoons, and uh-huh. that was it. And, and now it's all the, computer then, animation. Yeah, and then you'll you'll get kind of a swing back, and then it'll go away again. And this reminded me of a film, and I didn't even look it up, but I know it must have come out in the early 90s, because tonally this 
100% reminded me of a movie that I saw in the theaters, and I don't think I've ever seen it since, but I still remember it. I think it was called Spaced Invaders. It was about aliens who came down to Earth on Halloween and were just trying to get their ship repaired, and some kids, one of them in a duck costume, <laughs> uh, helped them. But, like, the tone I and, did, the, I, and the kind of jokes. I've never heard of this. It 100% felt like, like, it reminded me of that of, uh, of Hocus Pocus, and I haven't seen Hocus Pocus since I was a kid. I haven't seen Space Invaders oh, since I was a kid. Yeah. If you watch but, more Disney Channel original movies, <laughs> maybe some of this has been off shot. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, the, it's been shuffled into the made-for-TV, ostensibly kids' channel. Right. But I think for Hollywood, like, there's a market they're not mining by not making these uh, kid-targeted films, but not, like, CGI. I'm 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 going to say the name of something. I'm going to say the name of something. Elf. Yeah. Yes. This This fits that that mold. Elf. uh Uh, The Santa Claus. Yeah. But, I mean, Elf at this point is over 10 years old, right? Yeah. Do we still get that kind of movie being made? I can't think of the last well, one. But. Yeah, Elf is the 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 most recent one that I can think of, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'd have to look at a, a large catalog of films now, to see if something. I'm going to say know, something really that's going to shock that. everyone. I'm not a studio executive. They have access to more numbers <laughs> than I do. They have more demographic data and everything. But it it feels like some studio could swoop in and put out one or two of this kind of toned and uh, targeted films a year. And make some money that's being left on the table because everything is yeah. just CGI. Well, especially this and, year. And maybe not, like, make $100 million. But make some money that's not being spent. There's money yeah. to be had. Todd, did you find the movie of it's my youth? It's called Space Invaders 1990. Dim-witted Martians drop into a little Illinois town on the day that the local radio station happens to rebroadcast Orson Welles' 1938 War of the Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may have another movie for a future Halloween, <laughs> uh, future October of the protagonist oh, podcast. Man. Uh, yeah, it looks amazing. Um, wow. <laughs> My goodness. I just remember a scene in that Space Invaders of uh, the little boy in the duck costume throwing away his flippers and like apologizing to his mom as he did it because he needed to be able to run more easily. And he was wearing like swimming flippers as his duck feet <laughs> as his costume. Wow. <laughs> I think just go- going to follow up on your comment about executives and making money and and i I mean this year of all years i I mean no no movies are making any money right now (laughs) so uh except for it yeah which which is not neither which is not in the category you were describing yes but i mean this year is it seems like it's making news for being just a super slow a a rougher box office year box office um and so i mean as as you well know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you Todd for settling if our listeners are curious we have a, a year long box office challenge where Todd and I picked picked movies and, and Todd currently has a small lead small lead small. that I'm, I'm looking to recover in you the do get Star Wars quarter. So there's yeah. always hope that you can make a yes. that, that it'll make a half a billion dollars in in two weeks two weeks <laughs> and then you'll be close but <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I agree. I think I think they should be making more of these kinds of films, even if this one is not a perfect one. Uh, what do you want to talk about with this film from here? Is there a character that stood out to you? Like I, I, in our intro, I said, I guess we're talking about the whole cast because there's not really like uh, a character arc <laughs> for for any, for for any characters. I mean, there's like mini ones where like Max, he's kind of like not into Halloween, and by the end, he's a firm believer in many of the superstitions. Of, Halloween of uh, of uh, the the supernatural. Yes. Um, one of the <laughs> where he's completely dismissive at first. One of the themes that I thought was interesting in this, um, and this is this is not the the deepest or um, most careful exploration of this theme, but the idea of youth and yeah. And this desire to be young and beautiful, um, I think is really interesting, uh, in, in Bette Midler's performance, uh, when they're, when they're super ugly and old, and then they, they do their magic spell, like, uh, Tangled, and they get younger, but they don't get really beautiful, and, there's, I I get the sense even from the very beginning that she realizes that she's she's still just not that beautiful, and nor that young. Well, she gets set like uh, she gets emotionally set off whenever anyone calls her ugly. The bullies do it, and uh, doesn't Danny yeah, do it at one but point? But I think because they're, she touching, off the because they're touching a nerve, because she knows. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. This is not uh, that's deliberate, right. right? That is part of part of this. Uh, well, and. Uh, this is like a theme for Disney villains, right? I mean, going back to Snow White. Sure. <laughs> no. 
Andrew, as a co-host of Disney Animation Minute Essentials, in which you talked about the film Snow White minute by minute. Yes. What is the entire goal of the queen? Uh, to be the fairest. Yes. Like, like that's the thing. Uh-huh. And, that, I mean, that, that's it. And, and to that end, she will disguise herself transformatively, not just, you know, disguise, as a, an old hag. Mm-hmm. Like, she will make herself ugly in her pursuit of becoming yeah. the fairest. You may have touched this on Disney Animation Essentials. Could she not have cast a beauty spell upon herself? I mean, she was... She, she, <laughs> she was, cast a very ugly spell on herself. She was doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, she wasn't unattractive. Like, by all accounts, she was probably number two. <laughs> out uh, of, uh, of the subjective beauty rankings. Yeah. Um, and and I think it was... I can't remember. In, in some versions, um, it's only indicated that Snow White will surpass her not that she has surpassed uh-huh. her so it's even it's 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 preventative <laughs> revenge right prevenge I yes think, i think it's the term <laughs> well and um like th- this is the film that comes along after hocus pocus but mother gothel oh, and yeah. rapunzel mm-hmm. it's solely obsession with, about with obsession youth. with life extension youth uh beauty um but even i've been uh as a background show when I can have something on and I'm doing another task. I've been watching some of the Star Trek the original series mm-hmm. and it's surprising how often like the sin that needs to be punished is someone artificially extending their life uh, or trying some way to find a science fiction founder of youth essentially and always they get smacked down and told no that's that's not what humanity is about and, uh, and so Indiana it's not, Jones yeah Indiana we, Jones which, which we talked uh-huh. about yeah this definitely isn't just a Disney villain thing but I think there is a theme with specifically female Disney villains and this obsession but we certainly see it in other culture too where the this quest for life extension is often cast um as uh you know like I said a sin that needs to be punished well I think it's, it is one always a selfish mm-hmm. end. Um, it's not for the sake of, of anyone but themselves. And usually they operate in isolation anyway. So it, it could benefit no one but themselves, uh, and their continued isolation. <laughs> so they're, they're going to live long by themselves for even longer. Uh, and then it's like at the expense of others. Yeah. In this case, uh, in this one, very literally the expense of yeah. the, a child dying. And also it, um, I mean, it, it violates the actual, like, natural order. They always seek to do it by, by unnatural means, as opposed to, like, diet and exercise and, yes. like, taking good care of yourself think, and, and having, having good health to extend your life. I think life. that's an interesting point. But, but it's also, like, this is the most natural thing. I mean, if you're talking about, like, the basic human instincts, the, the instinct to not die, is <laughs> okay. self-preservation but, is one of the greatest instincts in right? all of nature. And so right? it's not like so, they've and, taken and, and, something and, and, that's an abomination. They've taken something that is our most natural, like innate desire, and then they perverted die. it, uh, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, I mean, drives like a, a huge part of our economy <laughs> is driven by <laughs> this idea of looking beautiful and 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 extending life. And uh, I mean, if you look at like healthcare. And, and beauty and, and, and exercise. And, yeah. and, and for lack of a better way to phrase it, easy health. Yeah. It's just, it's a fascinating thing, I think. But, but let me offer a comparison. Parks and Rec, Chris Traeger. Yes. That's a, that, that, like, he is not doing it through the unnatural. Right. right. And so, not sacrificing you know, like, other people for and, it. And there's still, and there's still jokes about his commitment to, his healthy lifestyle and the supplements he's taking and like i need i need you i need someone here when i take this pill because it's a choking hazard um and and all of that stuff and his his commitment to going running but he's going running to maintain his health it's it's not this so like you said a a perversion of the natural yeah it's it's a different balance um but he's still he's still you know having all these um nutritional supplements and his diet is in the extreme yes. uh, form of, of maintaining his health. And so to, to that degree, he's still easily a caricature of the modern society sure. and, and the goal towards it. Um, but when you get to, you know, these witches or, or Disney villains, you're getting like the extreme uh, discussion of the lengths people are willing to go to. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me that it's not uh, the, 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 like the the urge behind this is totally natural and 
it's so easy to point out in other people when we say, oh, you know, look at, look at him or look at her. So obsessed with their body. So obsessed with youth. So obsessed with beauty. So obsessed with whatever. But it's like, hello. That's what we all, <laughs> nobody is, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just me, but I don't know of anybody who's thinking, I can't wait until I'm old and my body is broken down and I have to have other people taking care of me. And I'm no longer attractive. And it hurts to move. I'm no longer attractive <laughs> to anyone in any way. And it hurts to move. Man, that's going to be awesome. I mean, nobody living the nobody dream. is looking forward to that. Um, and we're all in our own ways, you know, trying to to stave it off. Um, except for one professor that I one professor that I had who uh, he would drink um, – he, he he would come to class and he would line up Dr. Peppers, like four Dr. Peppers in front in front of him on a desk, and he'd crack them open one at a time and drink them over the course of the hour and a half that we were together. And we would always, oh, wow. and we would always take a break in the middle of class, of an hour and a half class, uh, for a, a smoke break. Uh, so everybody could go out and smoke. <laughs> and one day, the, one day the professor says, you know, my doctor says I should stop smoking. And stop drinking so much Dr. Pepper. But the thing that he doesn't understand is that I'm just really not that interested in living on this earth for very much longer. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm just kind of done. I'm just done with. I'm done with being here. I was like, wow, that's a that is interesting. So, um, you know, it's very fatalist. <laughs> yeah. But other than him, I mean, most of us want the same. <laughs> want the same thing that these witches want. And most of us are trying to some degree to another, like actively trying to do it. Um, they're just certainly going about it in uh, less than ethical ways. But <laughs> it was an interesting thing. And Winifred certainly um, embodies this the most. And Bette Midler's performance is just superb. <laughs> She's so... You can tell she is having oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's an infectious fun, even for the viewer. Like to see an actress of her caliber just really having a rollicking good time playing this kind of absurd role yes <laughs> and and chewing the scenery all the way through <laughs> like biting biting right through the scenery. <laughs> feels like there's two films going simultaneously there's the film where these three witches just kind of do their thing and then there's this other film where there are these kids actually trying to you know make a you know make a serious film or something uh, and it gets kind of mashed together in in this way that it just creates this this film that's kind of weird and kind of hilarious, but fun. Yeah, uh, one of the funniest moments, and I think it just deserves its own shout out, is uh, the witch is discovering the modern world and discovering a road. <laughs> and, and they don't know what a road is, and uh, the the witch named Sarah like does a dance on it when she realizes it's hard and just something about the physicality in which Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker plays this naivete slash like the joy in discovering that the, the, what they think is a river, a black river is hard. Uh, it just, it just cracked me up a lot. Uh, and, and I think in this kind of film, you've got to really nail a few of those moments. Like every 15 minutes, you need to have one of those moments that just comes out of nowhere and makes you laugh yeah. out loud. <laughs> and, and you're not quite, you, there's no way to expect that you know, the the dance they do on discovering that a road is, is solid <laughs> to be one of those moments, but you've got to sprinkle those through. Um, if you, if you go for it too often, the film starts to feel like just a farce. Yeah. Like it, like, it's just like a sketch, like a, you know, a Saturday Night Live sketch. But I, I think one thing this film does do is have these unexpected moments that are just legitimately funny, be it that one or uh, some of the, the things with the zombie um, that, that catch you off guard and make you, make you laugh out loud too. Uh, and Andrew pointed out, producer Andrew told me that uh, the zombie is played by Doug Jones, right, Andrew? That uh, that is what I've heard. I, yeah, I did not double check. I, I think I saw that. And Doug Jones is uh, famous for for doing like the physical work of monsters, like, like noted he, physicality. He's a, he, Guillermo del Toro mainstay to play mm-hmm. creepy monsters and just have this physicality that that is non-human. So he was. Um, Oh my goodness! What's the Abe name of Sapien. Abe Sapien in Hellboy, mm-hmm. and what's the name of the Eye Monster in uh, Oh the Pale Man? In, Pan. Yeah, Pan. Yeah, in, he was the Pale Pan's, Man. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the he was the Pale Man. Yeah, uh, like Guillermo del Toro will often use him for whatever, but he does um he does not motion capture monsters. He does in the costume suit whatever prosthetics it okay. takes. That's his. That's his. All thing. right, I've got some trivia for you on. Uh, on our friend Doug Jones. 
Everybody want to take a like, guess he, of he, how amazing. many films he is in in the year 2017? In 2017, this year. I know he's in the Guillermo del Toro. I think he's the water creature in the next Guillermo del Toro, uh, del Toro one, isn't he? The Shape of Water. Okay, go I'm ahead and sure. uh, you can keep score at home here. It's, hey, he's got to be, is he in one? Didn't we have a Planet of the Apes? Monster is he in School one of the Animation, Apes? Bye Bye Man, Beneath the Leaves, My Friend Max, Duffy's Jacket, Nobility, Automata, The Danger Element, The Circuit, The Terror of Hollow's Eve, The Shape of Water, Adopted, he's in one, two, three, four episodes of Adopted, He's in one, two, three, four, five episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, he's in The Boogies, Hell's Kitty, The Legacy of Avril Kite, Nazareth, Nosferatu, and Fifth Passenger, all dated 2017. In a, okay, I've got to be honest. That's the, bo- the majority of those I haven't heard of. I think yes. he might never say no <laughs> to, to, mean, to a job offer uh, based, based on that combination that I haven't heard of a lot of those. And amazing. I'm, I'm fair plugged in to <laughs> yeah. the media landscape. Yeah, like that's that's a lot of stuff. But I that is so know. much that is coming out. Yeah. Wow. He's a busy guy. He I mean I I suspect he's gotta be because I don't I don't know how much they get paid to be in the costumes yeah, for that. Exactly. In, in the suits. But he's very good at it. like yes. he is he is, you know, uh, top of the list oh, I think for he was, doing the physical another one I know he was he was the silver surfer in that one, oh, he, one of the bad did, Fantastic Four movies. Yes he he, <laughs> Hard to he was that. the <laughs> The body of the Silver yeah. Surfer. Uh-huh. Cool. And so he does this, like, otherworldly... The physicality is supposed to feel just off from... Just, just a little bit alien. Uh, yeah. He's, he's like, very narrow <laughs> yes. and, and awfully flexible. <laughs> so to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Joe, I think um, I think that you stated it better than me. I, I, I had said that the kids are trying to make a serious movie while the witches are doing their thing. I just... I feel like the witches are doing sketch comedy... And the kids are actually making a movie. <laughs> uh, and th- that that combination of those two things is what. Um... And some of that, I wonder if, uh, I, I think I read this was the director's second film after Newsies, if I'm really? remembering it correctly. Um, but I wonder if there is a level of uh, intimidation where I, all right, I can direct the kids, but directing Bette Midler... <laughs> And telling her what to do, that feels different than directing children, <laughs> you know, and, and young actors he, on Newsies. But but he did okay with uh, Robert Duvall and Bill Pullman in Newsies? I mean, at the same time, like, uh, how much of a leash do you need to put on? <laughs> you, know, you know, you're not doing broad comedy in that. And, and sometimes with broad yeah. comedy, you need the director's that's touch a, to, to pull him back you in. Are, it, it is a very different tone from You Newsies. are absolutely right. Newsies, 1992. Hocus Pocus, 1993. Same director. Wow. It's like it's like you're an expert. Uh, that's it's like you're an Kenny expert. Kenny Ortega, right? And further the, down the road, yes, High School, High School Musical. Musical. Yeah, Andrew pulled that one it's, out. It's I did not Kenny have Ortega. that one in my back He's pocket. A deal. Of... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> He's a big deal. He made High School Musical. Apparently, well, no more deal. for newsies. <laughs> yeah. More for newsies than anything yeah. else, I think. But <laughs> well, I mean, okay. In my book, anyone who's directed a major Hollywood film. Somewhat of a big and <laughs> like you've, you've entered. That's fair. <laughs> and to follow up on our uh, on our earlier conversation, Descendants and Descendants Two. Oh, it all comes back <laughs> around. He has stayed in the Disney in the Disney factory, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> I don't know that he's done like uh, that much directing overall. Uh-huh. Um, but he's he's hit some significant. He's, uh, he did twelve episodes of Gilmore Girls, Cheetah Girls, High School cool. Musical, High School Musical Two, High School Musical Three. You know what the best podcasting is? Reading off someone's IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> You're darn right. I've often heard it said. <laughs> anyway, he's a fast. I, 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 I don't usually spend this much time in the IMDb, but uh, I feel like there have been some gems today. My goodness. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Between Doug Jones and Ortega yes. here. <laughs> We've really got, uh, got something going. I want to sh- I want to send a shout out to the uh, Danny. Um, Thora Birch is her name, the actress. I think she's hilarious. And is, especially yes. in that first scene when the witches show up. And I mean, she's surrounded by some like pretty great acting talent. And she, she's just like, oh, my sisters, I, I am so happy that you are doth here. And <laughs> she's just awesome. Um, and she, and she, she's able to drag that on for a while until they actually really want to start eating her. And then, 
<laughs> and she kind of has to realize the game is up. But um, I just think that's so funny and charming the way that she immediately slips into like, this is the way I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to pretend like I did this on purpose and that I'm really excited to see them. Uh, and she does it so well. I love it. And I got to say for a film that, like we said, maybe it's a little tonally all, all over the place. And we're not saying it's a bad movie. It's just, it, it's, it's a unique right. film. I think in a lot of ways uh, to, try, to try and make sense of, of uh, this, this kind of matchup that we have the, the ending with the, uh, the ghost boy going back to his sister actually kind of landed. I kind, agree. Kind of, kind of landed with some emotion. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad he made it. <laughs> and like, I, I did not like part of me was because they talk about turning it back to a human. I'm like, uh, like, <laughs> and some of this is, adult viewer versus child viewer. I started to ask some questions about logistics of like social security, <laughs> identity <laughs> issues. <laughs> like if, if they brought him back. I always wonder those things when, when things like that happen. Yeah. Like, Oh, here's a, here's a, a person <laughs> with no yeah. family. Anything. Who's he going to live with? Like I was, I was mentally asking those things, but then when they brought him back as a ghost and uh, both him saying goodbye or, or his sister being there, but then him saying goodbye to uh, mm-hmm. Danny and realizing like his protectiveness of Danny goes back totally. to the prologue that we saw. Like it, it strengthened uh, a, a theme in the film that I had, for me, like the relationship of the cat to the kids had never really been there. But at the end, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a, a little bit of a gut punch coming in this Disney yeah, film. Yeah, and I think it's a, I think it's a sweet, uh, a sweet message for you know this brother that's taking care of his sister, and um, it's it's kind of it's well done. Like it, it's well played from the beginning to the end, uh, and works itself in structurally nice. So, I guess there really was a screenwriter, you know, like thinking about. <laughs> the um, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a pleasant, charming, like satisfying film for Halloween time to watch as a family. I think mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, like that's a fun Halloween yeah. film. It's not it's I not mean, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell where every second. And every shot and every word is gold. Uh, but it doesn't have to be. It's just fun. Yeah. I, I, this is kind of like um, when we did um, National Treasure. Like You got to accept media on its own terms. What is it trying to accomplish? And this is trying to make a Halloween film, a seasonal, you know, that's going to fit a particular season of the year. And it's going to be a Disney kids film. Does it check all those boxes? Yes. And is it entertaining for kids? And it's the, and there are kids movies that have been made that are painful for adults to sit through. And this is not one of those. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I like it. I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this. How far yeah, are we? I, mean, I, I just think it's worth noting. Like we, we bounce around all kinds of genres and media and tones uh, in doing this podcast. And a part of being able to do that is accepting it on its own terms. Is this trying to make like an Oscar worthy film? No, <laughs> it absolutely isn't. It's trying to be a fun diversion for the Halloween season. And it nails that right on the head. Like it, it, it feels like Halloween. Mm-hmm. It like a particular type of Halloween that you want kids to feel. Yeah. And uh, it actually, I think it does also successfully dodge a few uh, issues that tend to show up in, in kids films uh, of this type like they give an explanation for why there are no parental uh-huh. figures. <laughs> like there was this party and a spell got cast on them. So they are dancing the entire night away. And I love the shot of the parents leaving the dance. And they're totally party, exhausted. Exhausted. <laughs> Which I don't know about you, but as a parent, that could have been like nine 30. <laughs> that I would have been running out. <laughs> Um, but also, uh, they try to inform an infor- authority fi- figure and, and being Halloween, they had, they had a fun reason why, you know, besides just the police being jerks, which is often how, uh, they do this. They added the layer that it wasn't even a policeman yes. that they told <laughs> about their situation. Yeah. I feel like the, pa- I, I feel like the parents come off b- pretty well in this. Um, often the parents are made to look like buffoons, but these parents are made to look like buffoons because they're put a, a spell on them. And before that happens, I think the dad and the mom are both actually trying to be a good dad and a mom. You know, they're like, okay, explain to me what happened. Um, how can I help you? You know, like these are all reasonable things for parents to do. And, and they, they do those things well. And, uh, and that's nice. Um, I like it. And I like watching um, Max try to learn how to be a good big brother because he's kind of a jerk of a big brother at the beginning and in the end he has a good relationship with his sister which is a really great message for a disney channel film um and hopefully and I think makes it's, up for it's the, also 
you know, the joke about the yabos and the virginity. <laughs> uh, it does. Um, I, I think it also makes the case that a brother can be a jerk and a good big brother simultaneously, like within the yes. same day, like that can happen, which if you grew up with siblings, you know that to be yes. true. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so I think that's a, that's about what I've got up for this. All right, that wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number 42, when we talked about Ghostbusters, or number 98, which was our Halloween special from last year, when we pitched crazy Halloween stories. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss, or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at ProtagonistPodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at ProtagonistPod, at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And our Facebook fan page is Facebook.com slash Protagonist, and we appreciate all the comments and conversations that happen there. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to Patreon.com slash Protagonist. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. One thing really quick before we let you go. Uh, Joseph and I were both recently on the DC Cinematic Minute podcast. I believe that's what it's called. Uh, discussing uh, Batman v Superman. And by the time this comes out, it should be around the time that I will be guesting on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute podcast, which is another dueling genre podcast. So uh, if you want to hear us talk about some other stuff, more detailed like <laughs> minute by minute. Very well put. Yeah. Uh, you can go check those out. It's uh, the year is 1693. We're in Salem, Massachusetts, and uh, a guy wakes up and he's looking for his sister Emily. And there's a creepy witch out. Are you guys still there? I've lost you. No, no. we're still here. I muted oh. it because I need to blow my nose. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so we're not, not believe the sounds. That one just muted. That. <laughs> you would not believe how it sounds for him to blow his nose right into the mic. No, no, no. Sorry. No, I'm glad that you muted it for you blowing your nose, but I want that whole conversation in the podcast because that was oh, it, I'll be. It'll be a nice out- outtake okay. at least. Yeah. Okay, the year is 1693. We're in Salem, Massachusetts. There's a guy, his name is Thackeray Binks, and he wait. See, now you're muted again. Hello? Hello? He, he yes, just, I need to blow my nose. Should I just, should we just wait? And, he's, he's still blowing his nose. Well, it, I, when you, <laughs> get it all out. Get it all out. It's okay. Right, I'll, I'll just what? edit it out later. Okay. How do you know when we're muted? Because, because I can't hear anything on your end. <laughs> Like, usually He's I can hear something, but... It, Joseph playing with the uh, scuttle, scuttle and flounder. And flounder. The, the totems <laughs> of Disney Animation Minute Essentials, uh, season two. Man. No, I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> but it goes, like, quiet. And you know when you're talking to somebody on the phone and then you're like, hello, hello, hello? You're like, it, it, sounds it like got that. too quiet? Yeah, a little yeah. too quiet. Okay. A little too quiet. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, let's go from the top. <laughs> from the top, Hocus Pocus. Uh, the year is All six- right. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Are we really ready now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that whole thing has to go in as the outro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it should be trimmed up and tightened as the outro, but the multiple <laughs> beep kind of outros. <laughs> <laughs> okay.